Welcome to Look Behind the Look, the new podcast that examines iconic looks in film, television, music, and fashion history. I'm your host, Tiffany Bartok. Hi, this is Tiffany, and welcome to Look Behind the Look. We are talking to Sandy Linter today, and I'm really, this is a really special episode for me because um, meeting Sandy was a memorable event in my life, and uh, I never thought it would it would happen. I was a fan of hers for so long. And the day that I asked her for an interview and she answered my email, I think it was 2014, I was just over the moon. And uh, meeting her was really special because she is the kindest, most generous uh, woman with the most amazing stories. And you'll hear a few of them And uh, if you don't know them already. I wanted to encourage you to go to the YouTube channel uh, for this one because Sandy's career is so widespread and it, it spans over decades. And she has worked consistently with no breaks for years. And so we couldn't really narrow down a single look that we would dissect. There's so many to choose from. And so um, what you'll see is a lot of pictures. And we even just go to her wall and say, tell me about that picture. Tell me about this moment in fashion history. And she shares all of her stories. So you might want to see the images there on the channel. You can get it at tinyurl.com lbtl YouTube channel and you can see everything there or you can just listen. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Sandy now. Uh, she's an icon and thriving legend of epic proportions. I'm not exaggerating. She is a history lesson as well as a busy working makeup artist still today. She's famous for many things. Among them is being Christy Brinkley's personal makeup artist currently. She also has consistently painted the faces of Elizabeth Hurley, Patty Hansen. I mean, this is only to name a few. And most famously, she was Gia's makeup artist and best friend and she does an incredible job of illuminating Gia's legacy. That is how I came to know Sandy from being obsessed with Gia and you may too, but she's so much more. She has written two books which are part of any diehard makeup historian's collection. They are Disco Beauty and Wake Up Makeup. You can get Wake Up Makeup still today and Disco Beauty is on eBay only. Her Instagram is a museum of the most memorable moments in the Studio 54 era and she's celebrated in the documentary about Studio 54 which you can see on Netflix and she's in the current exhibit that's up at the Brooklyn Museum. If you haven't seen that, it closes really soon, I believe November 8th. So I don't know what you're waiting for. It's up until then and it's not to be missed. You won't regret it. It's really fabulous. I've had the pleasure of interviewing Sandy before, as I said, and I was so incredibly nervous at the time. I'll never forget it. Her stories are so beautiful and she graciously agreed to talk to me today for Look Behind the Look. So thank you, Sandy. I was going to share a funny story that I, I don't know if you fully know, I know you remember, but I um, had in the movie larger than life. I had a picture in the movie. Oh, I have it right here. You do. Okay. I, I definitely want to talk about that. <laughs> That's a good one. So here's the photo. That's it. And I just, this is the photo. I did this in 1976 or 75 with great photographer, Bob Richardson for Vogue. And this, she's wearing Jeffrey Bean. 
And my boyfriend at that time, Xavier, did her hair. And her name is Barbara. I can't remember her last name. So she got one full page. And on the other page was every single model from the Jeffrey Bean fashion show. And I did the makeup with no assistant. And what year was other- that? What year was that? I, I'm pretty sure it's 75 or 76. I'll have to find and it. And that, that photo exists and someone sent it to me on Facebook, but I may have misplaced it. So not only did I do Barbara, but I did like, I want to say 10 other models that day. So when I was sitting in the audience and I saw, and you know how many things Kevin has done. <laughs> did he need my little photograph? <laughs> Well, no. (laughs) Well, what? So what? So so what happened? So everyone can know. We had the New York premiere at um, Doc NYC of the film, and Sandy came, and we were so excited to have her in the audience. And Garen was talking about Way Bandy, and so for reference, I had put in that picture, and he Garen says. Well, you know, he did what Way did, but in Technicolor. So it was sitting up there and thank God you emailed me that night and said, guess what? Nice movie. That was mine. <laughs> I, I was shocked. The, the reason I found it so shocking was that it was 10 years before Kevin's time. Well, I had credited it. I had credited, uh, credited Way to that. Oh, makeup. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I was like, yes. that's off. No, no I, and, understand, I understand if you say way. And but- the whole, I mean, I cannot tell you what happened in my world, Sandy. I mean, I was like, you guys, the worst thing ever happened. We miscredited this whole picture. I was mortified. Oh my yes. goodness kindly removed it and put something else that was just as exquisite. I didn't understand that you were crediting way. Yes, yes, yes. I, I got that. Now I get it. Oh, yes. well then that's fine. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, the the whole my goal in life is basically to re, you know, make well, everything accessible. Larger than life was done really really well. And aside from this little, tiny, little mistake, you did really good by me. You, you made me look good. You made me sound good. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. And a lot oh. of so. I appreciate you saying that so much, Sandy. I You were my second interview after Fern Malice, I remember. And I was so nervous because I had wanted to meet you forever and I knew all about you and all about your work and I admired you so much and I couldn't believe that you agreed to to this interview and I still have little souvenirs from our interview together and it was just it was such an incredible experience and the stories that you shared about Scavulo and it was good movie really really good documentary thank and you my part is really kind of cute so i was very happy about that it certainly is people love to quote it there were five i was one of five <laughs> but um yeah and then you know obviously there's tons of things we could talk about today i mean we talked about you know what i always thought that was paloma picasso that model. Isn't that funny? Yeah. 
Yeah. I can't remember yeah. her last name. Her first name's Barbara. I've also worked with Paloma Picasso. She's a lovely, lovely, lovely girl. I don't have the photograph, but um, but I thought maybe uh, you said you wanted to talk about maybe uh, a cover that I did that was yeah. special. This one's very special with Debbie Harry. It's for Interview Magazine. Is and it was that shot you? By Barry McKinley, and it's the most famous cover I think I've done. And I remember uh, the artist, the guy who draws over the covers is named Richard Bernstein. And so I remember that day when I started what does, doing Debbie's So what's makeup, the process? She had those bold colors on? And he said, this is gonna uh, be a good one. I did it? very, I said, oh, very yeah. bold. <laughs> Debbie used, usually did just the black around her eye. The thing that I loved to do was the smoky eye. But this is 1980. And all of a sudden, I switched into color. And so I did a lot of pink and purple and a little blue on her eyes. And, um, and that's when Richard Bernstein said, this is going to be good, isn't it? And Debbie just let it fly. She, she was great to work with. And in other words, I wasn't doing a Debbie Harry makeup that she usually wore. And most celebrities get a little off, you know, when you're not doing exactly what they're used to, but she was absolutely fine with it. She was not really easy to work with. She had a lot of attitude. She had, she brought with her all of that punk attitude, which of course I loved, but you know, she was tough. She, she had that toughness, that grittiness, that really cool kind of swaggering style. And uh, I adored her. I thought she was just great. And sometime during the shoot, the photographer, Barry McKinley, handed us these black hats, these big black hats and we both put them on and he took a couple of Polaroids of us. That's Debbie and that's me. And this is at the very, very end of the shoot. And I was exhausted because it wasn't just a cover. It was like a whole spread inside Interview Magazine. And at the end of the shoot, I just am exhausted and I wanna go home and he hands me this hat and I have to look decent with Debbie Harry in a Polaroid. So. I'm glad I did it. The Brooklyn Museum has the other one. There were two taken. And so I have this one and the Brooklyn Museum has the other one. Thank goodness for Polaroids. I love it. And so so that's the original one. This is the original yeah. Polaroid. Do people mistake you for Debbie Harry ever? Back in the day, they used to because I, not because I tried to look like her in the beginning, I had a desire to look like Jean Harlow. And so I had my friends bleach my hair out as white as they could. I went to Paris with uh, Albert Watson for um, uh, the collections in 1977. And I was just standing there and the kids in Paris would call me Blondie. And I didn't know who, I thought they meant my hair was blonde. And so they called me Blondie. And then I came home and I realized, oh, Blondie, that's, they mean the, they mean Debbie. And the group is named Blondie, but they thought I was her. So then 78, 79, 
I looked like her at that. In those days, people would say, could I have your autograph or stuff like that. So that was fun. I feel- The minute who I was being mistaken for, I was very happy, let's put it that way. Yeah, I feel like you've done her recently. Is that is that right? Uh, no, unfortunately, the last time I did her makeup was for my makeup wake up book oh. in 2010. And, um, but, but that's really a good story too, because the one thing, if you want to talk about legacy and what Bring I it. would like to leave is that women over 50 don't want to look less. So that old quote, less is more, doesn't work. It doesn't work for most women over 50. Most women over 50 want to look just as more as they ever did. So in 2010, I did Debbie's makeup for my book, The Makeup Wake Up. Oh my God. And there she is. And so I did beautiful. not, I remember I put on a, a neutral lip on her and she said, you're wearing natural lips. And I said, oh no, no. And I switched it up very quickly to like a bright shade because that's how she felt good. And so for women over 50, a mistake can be made to make them look age appropriate, which can also make them look less than how they really see themselves looking. So I have always been for glamour and it doesn't stop at the age of 50. Oh my God, gorgeous. And you know what rule you're also breaking there, which is so beautiful is the, you know, if you do one, you can't do the other. If you do the eyes, you can't oh, do the no, lips. That, that was invented by a designer. <laughs> for he, he staged a fabulous show and he said, if I do a dark eye, I'm doing a pale lip. And it was taken by everybody to mean that was a rule for life. And it just is not true. And, it, and it, right now, everyone breaks that rule. So rules are made to be broken. God, that's gorgeous. So what do you remember what red that was? It was matte. Do, do you have a red that you love? Do I have a red that I love? Um, oh, there's one, you know, since we wear masks all the time right now, yes. Steel has this beautiful thing called uh, liquid lips and the color they use, uh, the color red they have is divine. The client I made up yesterday took mine. It's called Beso, B-E-S-O. And it's the same color that AOC wears. You know what? I know exactly the product you're talking about. And I agree. It does not move. Brightens up your entire face and it stays, you just blot it once and you can wear, I'm wearing liquid lips right now. You can wear it under your mask and your lips don't go all over the place. So it's a good product. Yes, I agree. I've had that one. I got it in like a holiday kit and I, I was like, this is it. Yes, I agree. Um, so you're in a museum right now, which is no big deal. You're, I mean, just hanging out at the Brooklyn Museum in, in an incredible exhibit that everybody needs to check out. And let's see, which is it this, which picture is in the museum? Is it? No, that's not in the museum. Uh, there, there's a little Polaroid of 
Debbie and I. Yes. And um, our cover is in the Brooklyn Museum. Um, there's some pictures of me getting ready to go to Studio 54. I know Debbie Mazar posted them today on, on Instagram. Um, so they took some of my Polaroids and the nice part about going to Studio 54 is that there was no time that you had to be there. So my friends would come over to my house like Harry King or Howard Fugler, great hairdressers, great stylist, great photographer. <laughs> and so they would pull me together. Like no matter what I looked like, they could always make me look better. And so we, after we took like tons of Polaroids and everything and had great fun with makeup and hair and styling, we would get to Studio 54 whenever we wanted and we got right in and uh, I had the Polaroids. And so naturally the Brooklyn Museum wanted those Polaroids. But I also had the great time. So it was always that pre-party plan that we had. It was always, always great. You know, so you get there cool, you get there loose, you get there like not looking desperate to get in. You don't care if you get in, you already had a great time. So it was just gonna cap off your night and, um, you know, the music at Studio 54 was everything. And if you get a chance to go to the Brooklyn Museum, the music is exactly, exactly the same. It's the same soundtrack. So I, I thought he did such a great job. Matthew did such a great job with the exhibit. And I, I just loved seeing your stuff in there. And I saw some of Harry's pictures in there too, right? Is that right? A Patty? Uh, yes. I, I believe Harry took a few pictures of Patty. Patty, of course, is in there. Patty is dancing on the cover of Night Magazine, and she was wearing a mesh halter top by Elsa Peretti. But the thing about Studio 54, you would wear things that were loose and flowy so that when you danced, the clothes just moved off your body and flow wherever they wanted to flow. And so the photographer caught Patty with the uh, mesh totally in the center of her chest and not on the sides of her chest where it was supposed <laughs> to be. But that's just a moment, you know, that's just like one moment where she was just dancing, you know? So, and, and those clothes were meant to move. Right. So Nothing was fixed. That's why I have some, I, I, I have some, sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. I have some nice pictures of Patty. Um, again, she's another one. This one, I think, is 1982. Um, maybe 82. I realized we didn't say Patty who. It's Patty Hansen. So this would be- Oh my God. I have to check. I think it's 77. God. Is that for makeup? Is that for, is that for this book? No, no, no. This is- it's Gorgeous. Scavulo's book. And oh. It's by Scavulo, one of his books. His first book. So I'm trying to think if this is 1977, it might be, or 75. Women. And Harry King with the hair. 
Oh, and if God. you want to, you can talk about the makeup. Um, I want to you know, talk about it. Patty has is known for her freckles. And so I didn't intentionally remove her freckles. It was just a point in time where foundations were heavier mm -hmm. and in a certain kind of lighting, it would wash out her freckles. And I didn't, I whether she had them or whether she doesn't, she always looked great. So I never corrected that. I didn't think it needed a correction. And then she has the black Bridget Bardot eyes and she has the Patty Hanson lip. And Harry King did the hair. He did the hair Beautiful. Uh, reminiscent of Bridget Bardot. And I did the eyes reminiscent of Bridget Bardot. So and that so would be- There's so no extensions or anything in that hair. That's all her no, hair. No he would backcomb it a little bit. She has Love. great hair and that's her natural color. And so that would be 77. And then this is also 77 by Avedon. There's a little difference in the look, but she, she could work with anybody. And there again, it's the Bridget Bardot look that we did with Scabula. We did it with Avedon and that's the Patty Hanson lip. And her lips are quite full in that picture. Yeah, beautiful. This is 77. So uh, Polly Mellon was the editor. And then when you get to Patty, you can take her like in the 90s, Mark Abramson did this uh, photo. And here she's wearing the nudes and the neutral colors of the 90s. She's wearing the Max Spice pencil. And um, I just put a little bit of eyebrow on her, not a lot, but that her freckles are showing. Look how beautiful that is. And I think Harry King also did this hair. I love that hair color too. I know. That's not her own hair. Okay. And then she also did some work, photos for me for the makeup wake up women over 50. And so here's just a pretty little picture they picked up for Ladies Home Journal. But you see how you keep the identity of the woman and you don't make her look less. And that's something that, because I've been around for so long, I know that um, certain women will have, well, this is my color lipstick, this is my color brow, this is my... But Patty never did that. And because she never did that and she never had a set set group of colors or makeups that she stuck with, she was always able to grow, you know, and, and be beautiful in every single decade. Well, but don't, don't you think that comes with people trusting you, you know, you, you, you knowing what's best? Yes, yes. And Patty does trust me. Um, it does. But I'm saying for themselves, mm. you know, it's just like be more open. Mm -hmm. You're 50 and it doesn't mean like I had another rule a lady said to me. She said, I can't wear eyeshadow because I'm over 50 and you're not supposed to wear eyeshadow at over 50. And the thing is, too, <clears throat> in these days, these times, we all know a good dermatologist. And so if we want to wear eyeshadow and if our eyes are too wrinkled, we can get a little Botox yeah. or something done. Yeah. So. Yeah. I also, I like how Patty always has the, the liner on regardless of 
of her age and she still looks youthful. Is there a trick to that? Is there a, uh, I don't know if it's a trick. Yeah. It just looks good with her hair and it looks good with the way she dresses and good with her attitude and she's got great style. So it just looks good with her style. I don't say that just black liner is for everybody, but on Patty it works. Right. You know, most women need a little bit more than that, so. Um, well, you also do Christy Brinkley, who has always looked the same age, regardless of, I mean, it's like she's in a time machine. Christy's in the time machine. Christy is a timeless beauty. She did a book called Timeless Beauty. I did the cover of it. It's around here someplace. Um, but Christy really understands what I'm talking about. Christy doesn't want to look less because she's over 50. She, but she, she can put, you know, she wears the clothes. I mean, she can still wear a mini skirt. She can still wear high, high heels. She can really do it all from soup to nuts. And she looks as good as anyone does on any red carpet. I mean, you've seen her, so you know. Um, Christy's a pleasure to make up because you see, she understands that thing. Oh, we're wearing lashes today. She doesn't think in the back of her head, oh, they might be old fashioned. You know, because back in like 1984, they were considered old fashioned. She, so she's, she progresses. Oh, we're wearing a little bit of a almond eye, a little cat eye today, a little, so she understands the evolution of makeup. She understands, I'm gonna do really strong contour on you today, Christy. I don't have to say that, she gets it. You know, she, she understands it and, and she can take it. So I wouldn't put too much makeup on her. I wouldn't just do makeup on her to do makeup. She can handle it. Her, it works well with her, her bone structure. It works well with her looks and, um, the modern day woman for me, as well as Elizabeth Early. She's another one. She's another one that doesn't really question. Oh, oh, okay, that looks good. Okay, she'll look at it. Okay, fine. If it's different, if it's new, or, you know, matte eyeshadow was in in the 1990s. So if I pull out all this sparkle shadow, if she can handle it, she'll go for it, you know, and she's fun to work with too. And both of these girls dress so well that they're really, really fun to put makeup on. They so enjoy the they enjoy the process. They enjoy the whole thing. The, the other thing is it's unfair to really just talk about them because basically I should talk about every woman, every woman um, over 50 should really not pull back. I know initially maybe you do when you hit that mark, oh, I'm 50, so now I'll quiet everything down. Mm -hmm. And then after a few years, you say, what did I do that for? Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna color my hair. I'm, not, I'm going to continue to wear makeup. I mean, because, you know, it, it doesn't stop ever. You just always want to look as good as you can look. Do you, what do you see happening with this COVID stuff? Like do you see people putting less effort into going out or do you see them, you know, like 
What do you think is going to happen when we start going out again? Are we going to enjoy the process again of getting it, putting it all on and having a good time or are we going to fall back? Oh, I think that once this is settled, this huge issue of COVID, we'll just pick up right where we left off. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason not to. Uh, I just picked up a copy of French Vogue the other day and it was, um, I think an April issue that I hadn't seen. And it was just so inspiring, just mm. looking at the makeup. And I don't have it out here, but it was just brilliant. And I think people are hungry to go back and dress up a little bit and to put on heels and to put, I mean, not me because I can't wear heels, but if I could, <laughs> I would. If I were really a young person today, I would be not happy about this. I would be, uh-uh. I remember when I interviewed you and yeah, I remember when I interviewed you and you, I said, what was the, what was the time that you, um, you know, hated what was going on trend wise and you, I'll never forget your face when you said no makeup, makeup. But I, I don't mean a look that was no makeup. I meant there was a year, 1989, <laughs> when someone came out with, there's going to be no makeup. And you could open up Harper's Bazaar and the girls looked horrible. They were just standing in, <laughs> it was horrible. Anyway, that doesn't happen anymore. No. There are no dictators in fashion anymore. It's I agree. It's like, it's like you can do makeup or you can do less makeup. There's no, a little bit, I wish there were a little bit more direction, but there's no absolutes anymore. Like the person who said, there'll be only dark eyes and pale lips. There's no, none of that going on anymore. Um, you know, there's a freedom. There's a real freedom, I mean, I enjoy it. I, I really enjoy it. I the, the renaissance of people loving Studio 54, it meant that all the glitter and all the glam came back. And then there's this fabulous company called Lemonhead that put together these uh, beautiful, easily applied, heavily sparkled makeup that doesn't drip all over your face. I mean, so I think once COVID is over, we will be done with it and we will be happily experimenting and wearing as glamorous as we ever did. Yeah, I, I foresee that too. I mean, it sort of reminds me of like the Great Depression and, you know, how everybody wanted the big musicals after that. And I think I, I do see that happening. Moulin Rouge for everyone. So in 1976, I was uh, in a studio and I was talking to the representative of a photographer and the photographer's name was James Moore. And the representative's name was Bob Fisher. And I said, you know, my boyfriend has a beautiful hair salon on 59th street, sorry, 57th street. And I would love to put Helmut Newton's photographs all over the walls. I knew he repped 
Helmut Newton. And he said, I can arrange that. He was puffing on a cigar and everything. And he said, I said, okay, fine, arrange it. And he did. He introduced Helmut to my boyfriend at the time. And Helmut did a shoot for my boyfriend's walls of his hair salon. And this is one of the pictures it's with, I hired Patty and he hired a girl called Winnie Holman, who he had worked with often. And here is Patty and uh, Xavier is holding her head. And that's Guy Helmet. I know that picture. Oh, that's stunning. So this is a shoot that I put together. And here are some other pictures from the shoot. What was the salon? Oh my God. Oh, stunning. And that's Zavi doing the hair. Yes. Zavi, yeah. Zavi. Yeah. That's Winnie Holman. Oh, that's Patty. And the rest of the shoot, the rest of the photos are all X-rated because the girl, <laughs> was, well, Helmut said, I'll do the shoot as long as you allow me to do anything I want to do. And I said, yeah, you can do anything you want to do. And he put the girls, each one of them, underneath one of those old fashioned helmet dryers and just wrapped a white towel around them. Ah. I put the towel around their neck so they're topless. And these photographs, they are huge. I'll show you a little bit of one of them. They've seen these. They were all over the hair salon. So in the 70s, like 1976, toplessness was considered chic. It was nothing like what it is today. It was in French Vogue, it was in American Vogue. It was because photographers like Helmut Newton pushed it and Guy Bourdain pushed it. And, and they were the best photographers in the world. So I'll just show you a little bit of this. You know, Jason and I were just talking about that before um, before you got on. Oh, and what book is this from? Oh, wow. This is just um, Christie's catalog. That was a few years ago because they were selling the Selling the print. pictures. Oh, wouldn't you love to have those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I <laughs> I tried to hunt them down many years ago, but um, it seemed like uh, Xavier's wife sold them back to June Newton. That's as far as I got. Ah. It was true. So, but they're gone. They're, they're, someone has them hanging on their walls of their apartment. Some billionaire does. With no idea the story behind no, the whole thing. Yeah. No, my name has been left off of everything. Yeah. Here, Bob Fisher's name is mentioned. The only um, memory I have of it is that when Helmet, I have the book White Woman that Helmet did that year, and he signed it to Sandy. Thank you for the beautiful makeup. That's oh, well, that's something extremely special. Yeah. Extremely special. Yes, it is. Look at that. So that was my story. And then so what I is that way speaking of topless, I'm thinking of the infamous um Gia shoot with uh Chris. Is that behind you there? Yeah. 
Yes, that's, uh, that is one of the photos from the shoot. Um, that's with Chris von Wagenheim. Yes, my favorite, my favorite shoot. This, this is actually, I was lucky to get this because this is a platinum print and this was done by oh, Chris von Wagenheim and it's Sandy Gia. And um, Chris gave me two photos and photographers don't give you photos. They just right. don't. And he was signing photos when I was leaving his studio one night. And he looked at me and he said, Sandy, thank you so much. This one's for you. And then he signed another one. And he said, and this one's for Gia. And then I left the studio and I had the two prints with me. This one and there's another one. And... Um, and thank goodness I got them framed right away because they would have also been just lost. And I never gave Gia hers because it would have been just gone. And um, he died that month. I don't want to say that weekend, but that month on a vacation, uh, I think in St. Martin in an automobile crash. So, you know, there you go. That's fashion history. I don't know a lot about Chris. I, I, you know, I'm embarrassed to say that I was so obsessed with the Gia part of that shoot that I, <laughs> that I only ever thought oh, about that. The mastermind behind the shoot. Yeah. He was the one that I've, I've told this story once before. Uh, at, we did a shoot for Vogue and it was a simple shoot. They were two girls, Lisa Vale and Gia were against a fence, a chain link fence, like in this picture and um, wearing beautiful, you know, Vogue clothes. And at the end of the shoot, as I was packing up my makeup ready to leave, he came into the makeup area and said, uh, I want Sandy, will you do a personal photo for me? And I thought, sure. And then he walked out of the room, he came back in again and he said, nude. And I said, okay. And then he left the room and he came back in again and he said, with Gia? And I thought, <laughs> well, what is going on? And then, oh no, he first said with Gia and that was fine. I said, yes, okay. And then he came And back then he and said, nude. <laughs> that was the thing and and I remember very well because the hairdresser was Bob Fink and he looked at me like he said I'll stay <laughs> oh I love that thank yeah, you Bob throughout the whole he stayed throughout the whole shoot and I think some of the Vogue editors were there as well too because I wound up having jewelry on me that I don't own and and anyway, and everyone, everyone knows about that shoot, so. Yeah, such a life. And then this picture to your right, that's in the museum. I saw that one, right? That's Studio 54. That's not in the museum. For oh, some, it's not? No, for some reason they did not use the Alan Tannenbaum photo yeah. of me at Studio 54. They used another one by George, Pop, uh, Todd Papa George. 
And the one they used by Todd, Papa George is less well known than this one. The one they used by Todd, I'm sitting next to Carolina Herrera on a banquette. Yes. And I remember she was looking for a, she had a cigarette lighter in her hand and she was looking for a light. And I was fumbling through my bag to give her a light. I didn't know who she was. I've never met her to this day. And she didn't know who I was. So I was just going to light her cigarette. There's another photograph that Todd took and I've seen one, one of it. I don't have a copy of it where she's smoking and I'm smoking. I have my head back like that. So I lit my cigarette and I lit hers. And then never saw, never to see her again. <laughs> no, no, I, we didn't even meet. We were just, I was hanging out in the same banquet that she was hanging out in. It's so funny how those pictures become iconic and it's just like- A moment in time. Stolen. And I never saw that photograph. That was taken in the New Year's Eve, 1998. Wow. I never saw it till 1996. Wow. So I never even knew it existed. And then of course, when you see it, you say, I remember that guy was standing around taking a picture. Sure. Same thing with the Alan Tannenbaum picture. I, I never wow. saw it until it came out in a magazine called Photo Play. Oh, Photo Play, right. So I'll show you this. Yes. I love that painting of you too. I just love it. Uh, that one, boy, that's a story too. <laughs> well, it was fan art, right? Yeah. <gasps> Look at that. That's Look great. at how cool, it just sum, sums up your coolness in guy, one shot. His name Charles something, and he was a Cody award-winning designer. I don't know him, he doesn't <laughs> know me. I was just dancing around. And then I saw there was a photographer there. So I thought, okay, fine. And I sat down and I locked eyes with this guy and I said, I'm going to do, you know, like I made sure he understood I was going to do something and, you know, and then I just yeah. leg over his leg. Oh, I love it. He, look how happy he is. Well, he, he, he knew I was going to do something. He didn't know what, but. It's just the epitome of cool. Too cool. Yeah. And then that, that painting is fan art. Yeah. It is. This. Yeah. This girl named Lulu. Lulu. There's a story here too. She did remarkable. She did this painting of me. She copied a Harry King photo. And this is incredible painting. And she did another one of Gia. Little tiny, little ones, one of Gia and one of me. They're very beautiful. But she didn't really get Gia. Gia is very difficult to get in a painting because she was so beautiful. It's really, you can't capture it. But the one she did of me is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> she somehow has disappeared off of social media. Oh, what, why do you think, what do you think, do you think Gia, did you see something else in person that doesn't translate do we looking at her do we see what you saw yeah uh no uh, yeah uh, if you if you look at abundant photographs of her you'll get it if you mm. just see the iconic ones right. of her you might not really get it um 
Right. Yeah. You have such great stories. I want 10 more. (laughs) I'll have to have you back again. More to come. Oh yeah. I mean, Sandy, I've never seen anybody still going as strong as you are with all that you have, you know, done and accomplished and just decades and decades of show-stopping numbers. And like, you have no signs of stopping anytime well, soon. I can't say that I have no signs of stopping. The thing is, is that um, when, once you lose interest, you're done, you're finished. Right. And okay, but someone at my age, that wow. would be fine. But about a month ago, I did a shoot for Fatty Magazine. It's an online magazine. And um, again, I, I was enthusiastic about it. Does that surprise you? Um, not real. I keep waiting for the day where I where it doesn't turn me on. You yeah. know, I'm saying, when am I not going to like doing it? Because it's the only thing I can do. I can't cook. I can't do anything. I can't sew. I can't do anything. I can't drive a car. And the only thing I really, really like to do is my passion about makeup. And so uh, makeup on women over 50, you know, is, is a passion for mm-hmm. me. But also I enjoy let's face it, the girl I made up for Fatty Magazine was like 22 years old. And so, you know, the liner was out to here and the pink cheeks were around her temples and you can't do that on women over 50. Right. A limit. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. So editorial is still very, very inspiring. That's, I mean, that's, that's a huge you know, you are allowed to slow down now. You've done a lot. So <laughs> you totally couldn't, could never do what I used to do. There's just no well, for <laughs> Fatty Magazine, it'll come out very shortly. It was done by Enrique Vega. Oh, cool. Really cool photographer. So, um, I know that everybody harasses you about this, but do you think about writing a book or? Well, I, the, the problem with me is that I don't have the connection of the books that I've done in the past were all, I just present them with all the material, but they put it together with the book agent and the, ah. or, or everything was put together for me. And then like someone would tap me and say, right, and okay. I, I'll do a book and then I would present them with everything they would put it together like I don't know how to actually do that myself um right we need a ghostwriter um no not even a ghostwriter maybe maybe a ghostwriter but it's just the publication I need a publisher I need an agent I need all that, all for my disco beauty and for the makeup wake up, those things were just given to me. Right. I just fill in the pages. Right. That's what I know how to do. But you can, now you can buy wake up makeup. Yes, that's still on sale. The makeup wake up is still on sale. I got my disco beauty for the 
jillion dollar price of jillion dollars, which sucks because then you don't, I hate that because you're getting it on eBay and you don't get any <laughs> people are, are I'm a good business person. Let's put it that way. So I listen, you and me both. Um, <laughs> so we have to get you a book and you know, maybe we'll just, I'll just have to make a documentary about you <laughs> and then that'll be the book. Maybe, maybe yeah. my Instagram is my book. I don't know. Okay, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, I had a great time with Sandy, and I'm sure we'll have her back. Uh, let me know if you have any other questions that we didn't cover. I'm sure you do. And you can like us on Instagram and YouTube and what, anything you can find us on. And I appreciate it so much. I love hearing your input, and I'm appreciating your reviews so much. It's so important to a little project like this. And I really, really, really appreciate it. Next week, we're going to be talking to Renee Garns, and I'm really excited to talk about her Vogue covers. Um, we're covering a lot of them actually we couldn't again pick just one um she's constantly got something fabulous whether it's naomi campbell um you know on the cover of vogue or any other publication and we're going to talk about all of her tricks i also want to encourage you to please vote you are going to be listening to this before it is election day and by the time we're together again we'll know what happened so i really 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 want to encourage you to vote any which way you can and let's hope for the best look behind the look is a vinyl foot production written by me your host tiffany bartok produced by Jace Bartok, and produced and edited by Kelly Riley. If you're interested in learning more, find our video version on the YouTube channel, Look Behind the Look Podcast. There you can see rare photos and clips from our guests. And please follow us on Twitter at LookBehindPod and Instagram at LookBehindTheLook. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And tell your friends and spread the word. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or any podcatcher of your choice. Thanks for listening to Look Behind the Look.